the ending of our first full day together. <coughs> Reflecting how we are and how it's been for us. Can you hear in the back? Oh, it's turned up. So as the sessions go on, please let us know when it's uh, not enough sound. Don't have a loud voice, but uh, John's turning up the volume. (laughs) These first days of a retreat are oftentimes, for many of us, quite difficult. I don't think through any failing, but just because it seems to be the way it is. That in our daily life, there's a tendency to hold many different things in the heart have conversations, making plans, going here and there. The attention needing to juggle quite a few signs, quite a few objects. And usually we can get into a habit of surfing, surfing the field of of awareness and uh, inclining toward that which externally seems pleasant and avoiding that which seems painful, natural enough. Oftentimes we, because of a sense of compulsion or duty or fact that things need to be done, we override exhaustion, don't necessarily notice the impact that this activity has on our body, don't necessarily notice the quality of mind that's motivating us. when we withdraw from our daily circumstance, daily context, daily activity, and establish ourselves in a place like this, a place dedicated to peacefulness, wise reflection, the study of the path of awakening, when we have a a schedule uh, encouraging us to be present for our experience in terms of sitting and walking and Dhamma reflections, Qigong, noble silence, which encourages us to, rather than uh, engage in interaction, 
encourages us to give more attention perhaps than we normally would to our the flow of our experience within this body, within this awareness. And for many of us, and many times uh, as we do this, there's a there can be a sense of a wall, a wall of or an onslaught or even a tidal wave of undigested restlessness or heaviness or exhaustion that can appear. And it can be natural to think, let's get out of here. I regularly feel in the first few days like running away. But I experienced that more now as a wave, a wave of resistance, that which doesn't want to feel, doesn't want to have to be with heaviness, doesn't want to have to be with this interim. We don't really know who's here, the beginning, different faces, different contexts that we're used to, hesitancy, perhaps the uncomfortableness of undigested restlessness or doubt or worry or exhaustion. And oftentimes when something's undigested it's not necessarily pleasing to stay with that. Over the years I more and more deeply trust that it is the very willingness to hold gently to relax with, that allows these areas of darkness, areas of tension, areas of fatigue to be quickened, not by force, but by the mysterious alchemy of presence, of breath, of awareness, of being with. So usually, at least, we might I might run away tonight. But usually, when that uh, desire to just not feel <coughs> emerges, I I also feel that let it well up and subside as I sustain and deepen my trust in the refuge, the refuge of Buddha, the one who knows how it is one who experiences, is able to be with how it is, as it ebbs and flows, arises and ceases, little by little get a taste for, for the instability of all that's arising and ceasing, but the trustworthiness of that very attitude of inner listening, that attitude of willingness to be with, what's called Buddha. I encourage us in these in these first few days to to if there's this uh, desire to run away, which can be natural, not to try to crush that, or not to necessarily believe it. 
Sometimes we can believe it. I remember times when uh, I was at a Dharma Center and we were working in this place uh, over the years, cultivating the path. And I remember someone who came to visit us and, and went into the shrine room. Had a sitting with us. And uh, came out of the shrine room. I, I was the senior monk at the time of a little vihara, monastic residence in, near Honiton. This person uh, came out to me afterwards and said, This is disgusting. Do you realize that one of your postulants is just sitting there generating negativity toward me? Negativity toward me. We'd never seen this fellow before. And he was feeling attacked by all these evil, negative thoughts. He associated it with the place. And he said, my mind is 97% fragrant. (laughs) Only allow that which is beautiful, fragrant into the mind, which is noble, very noble. So when something unfragrant manifests, it's got to be somebody else. (laughs) I felt for this particular person, because I could be wrong, but... Felt so busy, just wanting a certain kind of thing in consciousness, that to actually go into a place where there was a relaxing, a silence, and sometimes the power of that which we haven't really looked at, haven't really got a chance to recognize, get to know, can manifest. As far as I'm concerned, for the purposes of this meditative work, it doesn't matter so much whether it's mine or yours. We're all sharing this space. And when something arises in the heart, it's it's visiting us. And we can totally (coughs) leave it and blame the place or blame ourselves or run away or try to crush that and convince ourselves painting over it all kinds of fragrant thoughts I'm encouraging us in these uh, first few days just to acknowledge if it's difficult and just can we acknowledge it's difficult and then look at the tendency to make a problem out of that Can we be with difficult feelings, resistant feelings, actually cradle them, get a feeling for how the body feels, say when it's tired, or when the will just doesn't want to do, just is resisting. Feel how that impacts the body. Or restlessness, mind that won't settle, rather than just trying to steamroller it and command it force it some of us can for some period of time use a lot of will but it tends to backfire the heart tends to rebel 
I found over time that uh, patience, encouraging, encouragement to the heart, encouragement to the body, a willingness to allow this momentum wherever it's come from, whether from our daily life or whether from sharing this atmosphere together, this momentum of restlessness or fatigue or resistance, to be patient with it, allow it to be touched by noticing, breathe with, relax with, I find if we can do that, what I've noticed again and again and again is a mysterious, gradual transformation that can happen, not by force. But just by the power of awareness. It is the nature of awareness to help put things in balance. The nature of awareness to illuminate that which hasn't been recognized. Remember what I uh, said this morning when I was uh, reading from the qualities which the Buddha said are helpful in giving rise to this samadhi, to this gatheredness of heart, unification of heart, singleness of heart, looking at an integrated, a whole, a being with, rather than using the image more of the ice pick, which sometimes we get into when we're thinking in terms of concentrated thinking in terms of one-pointed, that can, can give rise to a more forceful and not necessarily helpful quality of energy. Remember when the Buddha was talking about this, he said that someone who, who can't bear or be with the sight, the sound, the touch, the smell, the taste, can't enter samadhi. But when we learn to the translation was withstand. It's a bit of a strong word. I think be with. This doesn't mean to say that when there's a, that we never can move when there's pain. When there's pain and we realize it is and it, it feels much for us, we can, we can move. But it doesn't have to be a compulsive moving. And there's many layers of, of investigation of this principle before, before we get to excruciating pain. What's being pointed at here is, is when we have this tendency to, to react, like we can do when a leaf blows and a dog suddenly barks. We can react so much to when something is pleasant, pleasing, a pleasing sight, pleasing sound, pleasing sensation, get so excited, just looking at the excitability and then the holding to, the keeping, the going after, noticing what happens when something's unpleasant, we don't really like it, a heavy feeling in the body, a numbness, a fatigue, or a sight we don't like so much, 
noticing then if that also leads to a similar kind of a reaction moving away when that is unconscious the Buddha says the Buddha taught that there, there's no real gathering of samadhi because we're busy chasing and avoiding chasing and avoiding we don't have the opportunity to sink sink in the sense of more deeply relax here allow ourselves to be here to trust more that it's actually okay to feel the very feelings and when we're not talking about when, when you're excruciating pain or very strong pain even and changing your posture one can do that compassionately quietly just be aware of what's going on and yet still deepen this quality which can give rise to samadhi the learning to be with and this phrase it's like this now can I be content with this now can I enjoy being with this now this all leads to learning to be here learning to be one with whatever is happening this kind of quality is what leads leads to the unification of heart it also helps the Buddha taught to reflect on the on the limitations on the limitations of, of external pleasure not saying to say that they're bad not saying that a, a good meal isn't has its own pleasantness not saying that a beautiful sight a beautiful sunset doesn't have its special beauty not saying that our favorite music doesn't have whatever it has but if we only when the heart only knows a pleasing abiding in terms of being with what we want to be with can we see the limitation of that or the I forget the exact were the downside or the or the limitation because then then the heart can get in a fever for for seeking when we don't have what we want and then there's this sense of it's not here it's there it's not here it's there or if there's something that's displeasing even a little bit displeasing it can just be like today I spent quite a bit of time with a heavy nervous system I could have just thought oh wow I don't like this it shouldn't be like this here I've been meditating for how many retreats my goodness shouldn't I have got past that heavy nervous system maybe it's people who's on the front row (laughs) I'm going to start making a rule for the people back it could go on like that and then have the idea something's wrong I just embraced the heavy nervous system, uncomfortable feeling. I had to do some lying down practice during the walking period. Just with that, with that, with that, with that. And then notice it shifts, it changes.
but that helped by by reflecting on the limitations. I mean, I could have just avoided that. You don't feel the heaviness of your system if you possibly go turn on the television or go to something that one really wants outside. Limitation means noticing how that keeps us moving away, how that draws us. Limitation doesn't mean something's bad, it's just saying it is what it is. It's also impermanent, it's limited. That helps us then when when the impulse to move away, when the impulse to to reject comes, we can just encourage the heart to say, not now. It doesn't mean to say we won't pick it up later. But if we never can say not now, then we become a slave. We become a slave to our impulses. And they just become me. So when the view comes, I don't like this, then that's me. I've got to have that, that's me. We're developing some dispassion, not judgment, saying we shouldn't have them, but some space around them. This withdrawing in the retreat circumstance allows us to get perspective on our automatic, habitual ways of responding. This was also the turning point, this gesture, this movement, this withdrawing, not withdrawing out of hate, not withdrawing out of the judgment, but the kind of withdrawing that can be similar to the natural withdrawing of the, of the sap in the wintertime. That then is, is very important in terms of the springing forth, the perfection of the spring, the gathering, the manifesting, the gathering, the manifesting. Retreat activity is also learning to get perspective on some of this habitual, compulsive manifesting that can keep us from ever learning how to rest, learning how to recognize a beauty, a refreshment, a simplicity that's right in the core of this body and mind. when we continually follow habitual impulses, there can be deepening the sense that it's not here. It's not here. It might be over there. It might be over there. But it's definitely not here. Because we've reacted to some unpleasant sensation. The Buddha had this uh, profound insight of the significance of this kind of withdrawal right before his enlightenment. Remember, he had been brought up with all kinds of perfect circumstances for maximum pleasant abidings, palaces for the seasons, beautiful beings waiting on him, lovely music. And even so, some limitation of that arose when, he, when it somehow penetrated his heart that he too was subject to, to old age, sickness and death, that these, these pleasures were coming and going, they were impermanent. 
And when he, when he finally saw it, something in him turned away from sickness, turned away from aging, turned away from and just wanted to have the images, the beautiful, the vibrant, the bright images of youth. Something in him recognized, what am I doing? What vanity. What vanity to think that this, this body, mind, is not subject to these natural processes of decay, of change. That is what's called heavenly messenger. This recognition of that which is painful is also important to to learn from, to embrace. This was important in setting the, the young prince out on his quest for enlightenment. And he went to study with some great yogis of the time and, and developed a very, very refined states of consciousness, out-of-body kind of experience, very subtle, formless experiences. Still wasn't satisfied, realized he hadn't found the, the permanent, undying, peaceful abiding. Then he went through this phase this phase of thinking he was being held down by the sense world and went through this phase of just trying to crush. By, by consciously experiencing more and more pain, afraid of pleasure, using huge willpower, pushing everything away. found himself sick, exhausted, and then he had this significant memory. He remembered that in his youth, on a festival day, on a plowing day, the celebration of the plowing of the earth, readying the earth for planting the seed that produces the harvest that nourishes us, honoring this mystery of how we are supported by this earth, by these elements. His father, the king, was, uh, was involved in some celebration and he found himself withdrawing just to the shade of a, of a nearby rose apple tree. So pulled a little bit back from the activity. and allowed himself, allowed the activity just to, to recede, to, to a murmur. Still was going on. He didn't, I, I doubt, if he put a big sign up, down with plowing festival. I don't think he, I don't know, but I doubt if he just sat there and, and reflecting on how averse he was to plowing festivals. Just leave it, withdraw, and allow the attention. And in his memory, he realized he just allowed his attention to receive the body, to receive the breath. And with the simplicity and the innocence, the non-complicatedness of a child, The mind was allowed to be steadied, 
heart steadied, one with this ebbing and flowing. And he entered a peaceful abiding, a bright abiding. He had this memory and the insight arose in him, why am I afraid of that pleasure? That pleasure doesn't hurt anyone. Yes, if you attach to it and think it's the end and never want it to change, okay, that can cause pain, he thought. But I can, I can realize that. He realized this was the path. It was not the end in itself, but it was the path to this awakening. But he realized in order to practice this sort of uh, cultivation that didn't just try to get away from the body, that honored the body, that honored this natural process, that didn't try to crush the world, but withdrew from this certain kind of activity of chasing, going after things outwardly, allowing the heart to steady itself with this moment, in this case using the body and the in and the out breath. Realizing he needed some nourishment to do this sort of practice, he, he then received his, his first proper meal. So he taught one of the skillful means, one of the main skillful means to his uh, disciples. He, he taught this, uh, this meditation, what's called anapanasati, mindfulness of the in and the out breath. How is mindfulness of the in and the out breath developed and pursued so that it bears great fruit and great benefit? There is the case where a seeker a summoner, a cultivator, someone like us, having gone to the wilderness or to the shade of a tree or to an empty building or to the retreat center, sits down, folding the legs crosswise, holding the body erect, and setting mindfulness to the fore bringing forth this quality of presence of heart, being here, setting this quality to the fore, always mindful. He breathes in, mindful, he breathes out. Breathing in long, he knows there's breathing in long. Breathing out long, he knows there's breathing out long. Or breathing in short, he knows there's breathing in short. Breathing out short, he knows there's breathing out short. Training, he trains himself to breathe in sensitive to the entire body. To breathe out sensitive to the entire body. He trains himself to breathe in calming the body, to breathe out calming the body.
breathing in, breathing out. Notice this includes the context, what was around us, what was outside, breathing that in. That was sustains, vitalizes the body, breathing out. Knowing when there's a long breath. Actually bringing the attention to receive this body. Noticing that it is expanding and contracting, breathing in and breathing out. Encouraging the heart to adjusting the effort to learn to be with this process. Be with the sensation, the form, the experience, breathing in and breathing out. Sometimes our breath can be shallow because of tension. Sometimes it can be helpful to at least first find the breath by consciously, as Tanisra was encouraging us this afternoon, by consciously quietly breathing in fully it's a long breath so we at least find the body how do we experience that perhaps the coolness as the breath touches the nostrils the fullness as the chest begins to expand the particular sensation as the, as the diaphragm deepens to fill up the body. Slowly breathing out, just noticing quietly how the body feels as we breathe out. If the mind is, is busy and restless, it's, it's it's unfair to expect it suddenly to get subtle. I encourage us to, to be interested in, if there is a lot of momentum and restlessness, be interested in that. Not to follow it and believe in it, but just to be interested in, in noticing, ah, it's like this. Look at this nervous system firing. Look at all these thoughts. Be patient with that and encourage perhaps at first a stronger sign from time to time like a long breath in a long breath out so Ajahn Chah our teacher from the forest of Thailand encouraged that sometimes at the beginning of one's practice if one's quite restless or the mind is busy to allow the attention to follow the path of the breath as we coax the heart from chasing things outside to get more interested in being with this mysterious process that vitalizes us in the day and in the night. We stop breathing for long, we die. Following the path of the breath. Well, what's the path of the breath? Well, where does the breath enter? How does the external coarse breath enter? Through the nostrils or through the mouth? Preferably the nostrils, if, if, unless we have a cold or something. Just noticing when the breath enters. From outside entering. 
Can we follow the path of the breath as it moves? Can the attention notice that the breath moves into the lungs? Can we notice the bottom of the in-breath as the diaphragm, since the moving of the movement of the diaphragm, the abdomen, in the path of the out-breath, just noticing the abdomen, the chest, the nostrils. If we can just notice these points, just as a suggestion might not be helpful to some of you, notice these points, one starts to include the body in this practice. Not just an intellectual idea of the breath, but to actually start to experience how the breath impacts nostrils, how it impacts chest, how it impacts abdomen. And relaxing and allowing the breath to be natural. And notice that in the, the way the Buddha described the progression of this practice when he talks about the long in-breath, the long out-breath, the short in-breath, the short out-breath. Perhaps as the breath becomes more subtle, or perhaps as we start to allow the attention to settle somewhere, perhaps some of us find it more comfortable to be with the fineness of the sensation at the nostrils, that brushing sensation, the coolness, the warmth, the ebb and the flow. Some of us might feel more comfortable staying with the breath at the heart area. Some of us have, have developed a more sense of ease at being with the movement of the abdomen. Notice the Buddha didn't, didn't teach a particular place. You can get all kinds of schools of thought. If one person says you should watch it here, somebody else says you should watch it there. If you go to what the Buddha taught, he didn't tell us where to be with the breath. But basically at first to know it's coming in, know it's coming out, know when it's deep or long, know when it's short. And this next instruction is very important. To train ourselves to be sensitive to the whole body. This has been allowing the awareness to begin to stabilize and encouraging the awareness to open up. Encouraging the awareness to suffuse. To suffuse the whole of the body. This is encouraging an easeful awareness, not a tight awareness. So perhaps one can notice the breath coming in at the nostrils. Then on the out-breath, what happens is the focus, the focus becomes wider on the out-breath as we relax the body. Can we notice the hands? Can we notice the feet? As the rhythm and the movement and the sensations of the ebbing and flowing of the breath, can the awareness be agile enough to gather in, to hold the various aspects of the body? The in and the out breath is just the coarse aspect of the breath, but the breath is uh, what the Buddha called the breath is a, is a manifestation of the element, 
the wind element is called the Vyodhatu or the vibratory element. So the breath, the physical breath, the air comes in and out. But then as we sensitize the whole body to the breath, we start to notice the energy, the ripples, the impact, the flows through the body. If we think we don't feel that, then just stop breathing for about a minute. Even 30 seconds. If you think you don't feel that, just stop 30 seconds. I've stopped breathing. Now I'm noticing that slight uncomfortable feeling in the brain. Starting to feel it in the whole body. See, when you take a breath in, can you sense how it waves? There's something that waves through, touching the cells, feeding the cells. This practice can be a healing practice if we allow ourselves to consciously receive the nourishment the vibratory, vitalizing nourishment of breath, which oftentimes we don't notice when we're so busy getting somewhere, doing something. This withdrawing, allowing the heart to be with the tranquilizing in and the out. This learning to suffuse the awareness, learning to coax different parts of our body into presence, to consciousness, an important part Tanisha and I study and we read this analogy every year, but uh, this principle is very important. And uh, as one deepens this practice of learning to bring the whole body into the process, it deepens our capacity to truly rest, to truly take a holiday, to truly allow the mind to temporarily let go of wrestling this with wrestling with that to gather, to compose, to brighten. The Buddha oftentimes uh, accompanied his teachings with, a, with an image, with an analogy. Some of you have heard this, many of you might have heard it, but the classical analogy of um, mindfulness of the breath and the entering into this, the first profound stage of peace, is what's called the, the Bachman's Apprentice. The Buddha is talking about this uh, right concentration or right gatheredness of heart, right samadhi. There is the case where a monk quite withdrawn from sensuality, withdrawn from unskillful qualities, enters and remains in this first level of peace rapture and pleasure born from this drawing back accompanied by the directed thought and the receptive thought he permeates pervades suffuses fills this very body with the joy and the pleasure born from this withdrawal there is nothing of his entire body unpervaded by this joy or rapture pleasure born from this withdrawal, this letting go, this moving back. 
just as if a skilled bathman or bathman's apprentice would pour bath powder into a brass basin, knead it together, sprinkling it again and again with water so that his ball of bath powder, saturated, moisture-laden, permeated, within and without, would nevertheless not drip. Even so, the monk pervades this very body with the rapture and the pleasure born of withdrawal. There is nothing of his entire body unpervaded by this rapture or joy and pleasure born from this withdrawal. This is the first development of this noble right concentration. Now there's a risk of uh, reading this out. The risk is rapture, pleasure, every, everyone about, well, we're just, I'm definitely out of here now. Okay, that's, those are powerful words. But their encouragement. Remember, these states are natural states. They're not. They're not fabricated in some special way. They're natural ways when we let go of chasing, let go of fighting, and when we start to use these qualities I mentioned this morning. The directed thought. What's the directed thought? The thought that says, "I'm here." When the mind's thinking about our mountain in Africa, or how our dog's doing, or what's happening mm-hmm. to the outreach program, or someone massaging his leg, you know, he's not been well, and, and I can tell myself, no, I'm going to check on that, but for right now, what's happening now? I'm breathing. Here and now, I'm sitting. Or can feel the residue of the mind moving. I can feel that in the body. Breathe with that restlessness. Honor that restlessness instead of following it. Just honor the impact it has on the body. Feel how it manifests in the breath body, the energetic body, the way we experience the body. That directed thought, the receptive thought. A directed thought is I'm breathing in. A directed thought is body. Feels out and notices the coolness or the heat. Notices the movement. When the mind wanders, then a, a, a directed thought just encourages us back. Encourages us to be patient. Just I'll come back to that later. Encourages us to stay with. What's called vitaka, directing the mind here. It can be with a thought, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. It can be with a mantra, the word bud, to, which is B-U-D-D-H-O, it means the awakened one. It means the awakened one right here. We can do bud on the in-breath, to on the out-breath, or just buto as we breathe in. It's a thought that reminds us to be here. The vichara, the receptive mind, is, is that which then actually connects with, receives, and then adjusts. What do you mean adjust? Adjust, if we notice it's too tense, if we notice we're too sleepy, notice we're too restless, adjust means the encouragement to relax, 
we're too restless, we can use the out-breath, and with each out-breath, encourage the body to relax. Relaxing as I breathe out. too heavy, too sleepy, we might put a little more focus on the in-breath to savor that brightness, vitalizing quality of breathing in. The third factor, remember, is what's called pity, what's translated as rapture, which is sound so far away. Can we cultivate the seed of it, which is learning to enjoy learning to make space for. If there's no container, then the energy never wells up and turns into rapture. By savoring, being with, even when it's not particularly pleasant, learning to be okay with, to feel, to rest with, to be interested in, that's the seed of the joyfulness of rapture. fourth supporting quality, relaxing, being at ease, remembering to relax. These states don't uh, arise if we're tense, trying to get somewhere, trying to get rid of something. The analogy of of the powder, the dry powder, that's like the body, when it's not been noticed, when it's separated from the mind. This becomes our body that's like our donkey. We're whipping it to go over here, go over there. The mind has all our thoughts, all, all that's really important. The body's just kind of back there somewhere until it gives us a pain and then we kind of throw some coffee in or some pills in and then it keeps going. But this powder is put in this lovely bowl, lovely brass bowl that holds it. The bowl of our awareness. The bowl of our presence. Can our awareness receive this body? It might feel like a dry lump or a heavy lump or a painful lump. Can we receive it? Start sprinkling the water, the healing water of awareness. How does the body at the head feel? How does the body at the shoulders feel? How does the body at the abdomen feel? Moments of sprinkling, moments of sprinkling. It starts to, something starts to happen. What is dry, flaky, disconnected starts to be connected. And what, like the hands that are massaging, kneading, what is this rhythm that moves, massages, needs? It's, it's like the breath, it's like a tide, it's like being on the shore. We sometimes go to the beach near Durban. And we just want to feel the tide as it sweeps in over the beach. And then when it goes out, all the tracks, all the ruts, where people have driven and this and that, get smoothed as the water recedes and combs the sand, smooths out the dips and the twists and the cuts. The ebbing and the flowing of the breath can we can it little by little smooth our nervous system. touch the body here touch it there touch it there holding breathing in breathing out 
getting a feeling for this suffusion, allowing the attention to hold. Sometimes we can get the idea that we're locked inside the body and sometimes people who can be very uncomfortable being with the body or they just go to sleep immediately. If that's happening to you, I encourage you to be patient with that heaviness, but maybe move to listening for a while just to get a feeling for the big bowl. Listening is spacious. Notice the sounds that come and dissolve, come and dissolve, and there's a sense of the spaciousness of listening. Then we can learn to listening, and within that space, you'll find the body too. Actually, the body manifests within awareness. We can get a feeling, rather than being with the breath, as if we're trapped in the body, let our awareness be spacious. Sounds don't have to bother us, they come and go. And within that listening, keep receiving the body, receiving this rhythm, learning to sustain our attention with these sensations, learning to allow them to spread and suffuse, tranquilizing this body patiently over these next few days, so that little by little there's a sense of unification the body is held within awareness, the awareness is stabilized because rather than seeking this way, seeking that way, the awareness is learning to trust it's okay just to be right here, right here. We little by little build and accumulate this capacity for unification of heart by just patiently beginning again, patiently encouraging ourselves it's like this patiently being with what it's like to walk, what it's like to sit, what it's like to rest, what it's like to feel restlessness and heaviness, and the heat of wanting and desire, and the burning of trying to get rid of. I encourage us really to be patient and keep trusting this lovely golden or brass or beautiful container of our awareness, which is our refuge, the place of Kuan Yin, the one who listens. Or another name for it is the place of the awakened one, the Buddha. But it can be our home if we can trust ourselves that there's something precious right here. We don't just have to find it over there. Can we be patient enough to allow ourselves to more and more deeply relax with this here and now? encouragement uh, this evening and may we finish by sharing the goodness of our day for the welfare of all beings page five in the pink This is an extension 
of the suffusing of the breath through the whole body in this case is that very same principle we're allowing the awareness to be suffused to each other to suffuse this building to suffuse above below all beings because the bowl the container of awareness is limitless Darkness and the 